Radio. I'm Ray Burton and welcome to another Let's Talk Gardening podcast. Our mission is to provide listeners with interesting, informative topics and up-to-date information. My co-host is Faya Caro, an award-winning gardener, horticulturalist and media presenter. Faye's passion is educating people. Oh, and she loves bugs a lot too. My passion is simply beautiful, healthy gardens. And together each week, we cover many great gardening subjects. Saturday morning and here come the girls, Ray and Faye, with Let's Talk Gardening. And greetings, gardening friends. What a gorgeous day. I hope you've enjoyed these last two few sunny days. Uh, absolutely lovely. Considering how Monday was, it was absolutely freezing, wasn't it? We've got Bev Dering on the phones. She'll be your first point of contact when you ring in today on 94841927. And the hard taskmaster got us all shaking in our boots. John Glidden is also standing by. Big shout out to Chris Bartlett and to Jim Crinan. Jim Crinan and the lovely lady, sorry. Yvonne. Yvonne Hill. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for helping me out. Just having seniors moment one after the other. You're allowed now, right? Uh, yes, well we're <laughs> I'm I'm sixty and Faye just turned sixty. So we were just saying off air it was sextage say the word. Sexagenarian. Sexagenarian. It's a funny word. Oh, it's a new word for me. Sexagenarian. Yeah, okay. That's what we are. Eddie was quite so excited to get. when I told him. Was he? Yeah, I bet he was. Yeah. yeah I'm sure it's it, not what you think. think it is. No. It just means that we're between 60 and 69. Rightio. Years okay. of age. Mm. Well, happy birthday for Tuesday. It was a big day. Thank you. And, uh, yeah. But it's kind of, I don't know, when I turned 60, I didn't really... I wasn't worried. I wasn't worried about no, it. Just, it just yeah. really it feels stride. like another day. Just took it in my stride. Yeah, didn't have a meltdown. When I was 50, I sort of thought, oh, my Lord. And then someone said to me, what are your options? <laughs> <laughs> I knew I couldn't fight it then. So there you go. Now we've got Chris Ferreira in the studio with us this morning. Tell us all about it. Well, he is doing a series of Firewise Landscape Talks. And, of course, Chris is a well-accomplished author, presenter, uh, media guru and full-on, fully qualified in all aspects of sustainability. And, of course, his latest claim to fame was the urban infill where he has built a, a new dwelling on an existing property, keeping as much tree yeah. canopy as yeah. as possible, which, oh, that would be a blessing if more people would undertake uh, projects like that, I think, Ray. Yeah. And what Instead time of can... causing all this urban sprawl and, mm-hmm. you know, black mm. roofs and small spaces. And no trees. Yeah, mm. I know. It's, it's dreadful. What time can we expect, Chris? Uh, 8.40 and he'll be here until about 20 past nine because he's off to another event doing a presentation. And we're also going to be chatting to Tom Hogs. Tom's going to call in and tell us about his open garden this weekend weekend. and he's in his 20th year. Of doing this. Opening to raise uh, awareness and funds for the Amanda Young Foundation. And Mm. if anyone hasn't been to Tom's garden, oh, it is an absolute treat on the side of a a hill and he's carved out terraces and retained them. He's just 
worked away many, many loads of mortar and rock that he's collected, uh, slabs to build the foundation. Been a labour of love oh, and the creek running through it. That's I know. what I love. Mm-hmm. Waterfalls, mm. flowers, tree ferns uh, mm. under a lush canopy. So yeah. there's something for everyone there. There's a plant sale, art, ukuleles, garden tour, (laughs) food. What more could you want? And our rainfall so far for October is sitting on 8.2. Okay, and the average is 40.4. So let's hope... Let's hope we do get some water in October to catch up a little bit on what we missed out in on September. And with the way the weather is, who knows? Who knows? Okay, we're in Queen's Park. Karen, good morning. You're alive. (laughs) Yes, I'm alive. Good morning. Good to hear from you. Welcome back, Karen. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, I'm thrilled to hear that uh, Chris Ferreira will be there because uh, I've been to his place. It's incredible what he's doing. So uh, you're right. I wish that more people would, uh, would do the same thing. Um, oh, well, I have got a uh, hell of a lot of questions. You probably have read what, what yes. <laughs> my email. Uh, I don't know where to start and I don't know how much time I've got. Uh, is it okay if I, if I cut back now my, my vines? I'm a bit late. I have started, but uh, I don't know. I've got so many dead uh, runners in, in, in between my passion fruit which never flowers, I don't know, and it doesn't flower anymore. I don't know why. Okay, Karen, well, with with passion fruit, now is a great time to cut it back. Cut out anything that's dead or dying. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Be careful. You know, inevitably, I know that when I do this, I will cut something, and then as I pull it out of the vine, I find out I've cut the best bit off, and, yes, I curse myself. Um, But, yes, take you could take a third off. And provided it's getting sunlight, what what the cutting back will do will encourage new growth. And from there, you feed and improve the soil. So you could add anything from manures to uh, compost and a bit of clay and then mulch as well. You could also apply a wetting agent and keep the, the water up to it. So a couple of good soakings a week. And then what you also want to do is give it some potassium so whether that's a complete fertilizer designed for flowering and fruiting plants or just some sulfate of potash when the buds arrive then provided it it's your generic passion fruit you should see flowers in the the spring to summer and that fruit will ripen when the weather's warm enough but the plants do need good amounts of sunlight yeah, oh yeah, they get a lot of sunlight. And what will I do? I have, you know, my, my orange tree, it had so many flowers, but I hardly ever have any fruit. I don't know why. There were bees around and everything, and it gets quite a bit of water, but I so don't know what to do with if it. if this is a problem with a lot of your flowering plants, maybe switch fertilizer. And what you want to do is prune after flowering. That That's a good rule for anything, really. Once something has flowered and fruited, that's when you do your pruning. And when you prune, you will encourage new growth. And with new growth, you will have a lot more branching parts of the plants that will potentially produce flowers. Now, flowers will be produced when a plant is stressed, for one thing, but also Mm -hmm. when um, they're given potash. Okay, that's... That's one of the key elements for flowering. 
Does that okay. help? Okay. I it, it, it helps. It helps. I mean, it has flowered, but it was so full I could hardly see any uh, uh, any leaves anymore. It was so full of flowers, and I usually have only got about uh, five, six oranges if I'm lucky. Um, but this is what I was wondering. Maybe we have, you know, when when there's a heavy storm or so, the same thing happened with the mango tree. There lots of lots of fruit well, pulled down. It's a it little, is a quite common that only 5% of fruit will set on a citrus. Uh, Pollination Uh could also be an issue, but as you said, you do get lots of bees coming in, so that shouldn't be a problem. Um, Yeah. Yeah, the other thing that you could consider is getting a horticulturalist in to, to actually cast their eyes over the whole property and just in case there's something that you're you're doing that is, um, yeah, I think you know, causing idea. an issue across the board. That's and, what I was thinking you yesterday know, I when know I was that reading Karen's you, email. You do have a lot in your garden. Yeah. It, you, it gets to the point where root girdling might be an issue and everything is competing perhaps for moisture, nutrients and sunlight. So uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, I never thought of that. Yeah, you actually you might be right. Even though I don't know about this snow bush, the 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 whole lot. They, 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 when they came back, there was absolutely not one leaf on on it anymore. So, uh, a couple of them, a couple of these tiny bushes are uh, getting some leaves now, but uh, they don't look very healthy. So okay. I don't know whether I should. Uh, Karen, we'll have to leave it on. now and move yeah, on because yeah, we've fine. got other people on the yeah, line. Thank you for your call <laughs> and great to hear much. from you. Yeah, okay, good. Thanks very much. Okay, okay good. Thank we'll you. We'll talk Bye. soon, Karen. Thank you, love. Yeah, okay, good. Thank okay. you. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, now we're heading to Dianella. This is in regard to a previous email that was sent. Richard, good morning. Yes, good morning, ladies. Uh, as you get older, I hope I can uh, catch the, uh, the memory. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I sent an email with the pictures of my uh, trees uh, a Kunzia and a Robin Gordon. I don't know whether you have to see that. Uh, yes, and that was the day that we spoke to Grady Brand. Yeah. And as a result, I missed your reply. So I'm interested uh, if you can tell me um, or repeat the uh, your reply. Were you after a identification on the Kunzia? Not so much. What I wanted to know was whether it's time to say goodbye. In other words, uh, if I sort of feel motivated, I made the job of actually digging them out or um, try really cutting them back to see if I can sort of uh, regenerate them. Okay. Was there any green on the plants, Richard? uh, On the Kunzia, there's very little left. Uh, and on the Robin Gordon, I think it's actually said goodnight. But, uh... oh, okay. All right. Well, yes, you give them a chance. Cut them back to, to see if there is any green in the stem. Okay. Yeah. So if the ends are a bit, a bit dead, dying and brown, yeah. cut them back and, yeah, see if there's any green there. Uh, that's your first port of call and maybe leave them a couple of weeks, monitor and see if there's any new shoots come from that. If you're cutting back into brown and the, the branch and stems have actually died, then yes, you've, you've probably missed the boat. And if I had a plant that I was concerned about, rather than wait until it's completely gone, I would cut it back earlier 
but only lightly and see if I can encourage new growth. And if it's going to come back, it's got an opportunity at that point. Otherwise, yeah, you sort of know that it's it's gone for whatever reason. The other thing would be, uh, is there a sort of age limit on the uh, on plants in the way that the Robin Gordon I'll probably uh, planted when I first shifted in here, which is over twenty years old uh, years ago. Wow. So, uh, mm. Some of the natives can go into decline and are short-lived and it will depend on a variety of factors. So certainly yeah. there's not one size fits all. Okay. All right. Well, well, we'll give it a go anyway. All right. Good luck. Yes, good. Thank you. Okay. Bye, Bye. Richard. Cheers. Okay, let's head to Inaloo. Jacinta, thanks for holding. No worries. How are you guys going? We're well, thank you. That's good. I'm just have a. Um, my mum's got a big lemon tree, and we've had this issue with our lemon tree as well. But it's got the the growths of gall on it. Gall, yes, yeah. yes. Gall. Is there any other treatment we can do besides cutting it right down? Well, uh, you you do need to remove the galls. There were yeah. people who were shaving with potato yeah. peelers, but we tried that. Mm. Well, and why why can't the all the galls be cut out? There's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, yeah. I was just just we just have to obviously cut the tree right back. Then I think you do, yeah. you do. And the thing with the potato peeler is, once you you shave the stem, you're compromising the growth and the nutrients that get to the end tip. So your fruit quality will be compromised. So you might as well cut it. And yes, you. You, is it likely to come back again within new growth? Well, when you do get new growth, when the gall wasps are out, they are looking to lay their eggs in the stem. So mm -hmm. monitor. Yes, it, it can if it's in your area, I'm afraid. Mm, okay. And the other question I have is also on the lime tree as well. Um, but the lime tree also has some sort of um, like uh, white like fung fungi on it as well. Mm. Are you able to send us a photo, Jacinta? I can, yeah. Okay. Because yeah. I, I suspect there's a possibility of it being a mealy bug and okay. it looks white and fluffy. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It, it could be that, but send a photo and we'll confirm. Diagnose. And is it safe to still eat the limes? Uh, yes, yes. Yes, okay, okay. Okay, great. All right. <laughs> okay. Thanks for Thank your call. Thank you for Okay. Bye. Thanks, It's not the best news, is it, with no. the gall wasp? As we know, I ended up pulling my lemon tree mm. out for because I was cutting it back so much that the following year, well, I wasn't getting any fruit, obviously. It was just this vicious cycle. Uh, now, Noel of Rockingham phoned in. Uh, there's an accident on Quinana Freeway heading south between Safety Bay Road and Carnup Road. Traffic is at a standstill. Try and avoid the area if you can. Hopefully that's uh, cleared soon. Okay, Romancing the Stone this weekend. It is. Now we have to take a short we break. Do. Tom will be back with you in a moment. Okay. Curtain Radio. And we're back. You're with Ray and Faye. This is Let's Talk Gardening. As promised, we're now going to have a chat with Tom Hogg. Good morning, Tom. How are you? Good morning, Faye and Ray. How are you today? Very yeah, good, really thank well. you. Thank and you. Thanks for waiting, Tom. You yes. had a, a few no, people lined up in front of you. For, 
what you're doing. Oh, you're welcome. So how's your garden looking, Tom? Look, the garden is beautiful this year, Faye. It's probably looking the best it has ever looked. Can imagine that. There's so much springtime colour this year. It's been a lovely spring. Yeah, Yeah, everything's popping, right? Yeah. So I can talk you through what's in flower and that if you would like me to. Love to. Please go ahead. Okay, well, the yesterday, today and tomorrow is magnificent this year. And the aroma that it gives, it just wafts over the whole garden. Uh, poor wine magnolias are out. Uh, native frangipanias, that's in full bloom. Beautiful, there's a few of them. Camellias, that's been a great year for them, but they're pretty well finished now. Um, Polonia tree, that's out in full flower. Wisteria. And I've got a lot of iris in Faye and Ray. That's a beautiful, rich burgundy colour. Well, Tom, and, I'd uh, like you to talk more about that because today yes, our feature, will, yeah. feature plant starts with I and I thought there's nothing that I'd like more than to share with the listeners all about irisine because they're one of my yeah. favourites. Yeah, they really are beautiful. And with the rich burgundy colour, they blend in so much um, uh, opposite to the green. And, yeah. Um, yeah. They're very easy. I mean, I've got 400 pots here. <gasps> I pot up every year for the open garden, and um, they're on sale here. But they're very, very easy to propagate. But um, you need to have them in shade or semi-shade. Through the summer, they will take a knock, but as long as you water them, they recover very quickly. But they're really, really lovely. They're a, a- well, their other name is bloodleaf plant, I believe. Yes, and, yes. and there are the also two plant. forms. There's a, a green, a variegated with a little bit of burgundy splashed through yep. it. Yep. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't have those. Have that's they? okay. The they, rich um, red one. Yeah. They do make a beautiful border and, and, as you say, a wonderful contrast in the garden. So look out for that yes. if you go to Tom's garden. Yeah, particularly with a raised garden bed, um, they hang over the edge of a stone wall very nicely. Well, you've got a few stone walls there, Tom. I certainly <laughs> have. <laughs> About 2,000 tonne of rock. Um, oh, that's, gosh. Uh, that's 2,000 of my ute loads of rock. Wow. It's a labour of love. hand mm-hmm. placed by you. And chrysanthemum daisies, they're out in full bloom. Poppies, um, a a nice blend of them. They haven't been so good this year, the poppies, um, Mm. but there's still some nice colour. The clivies are always beautiful. Geraniums and pelagodium, they're out in full flower. Daisies, hibiscus, yeah, no, it's, it's... Looking lovely, no, real, sounds, even if I say it myself. Yeah, no, good on you, Tom. It sounds like a feast for the eyes. And what else do you have there? We've got entertainment. Do you have plant sales, artwork, anything? Oh, look, we've got everything here. Yeah. <laughs> From uh, 10 to 12 o'clock, um, we've got golden, oldies, uh, golden oldies sing along with Joe. And in the afternoon from 1 to 4.30... We've got the uh, You Can Do It ukulele group. There's about 25 of them. They get on back on the stage there and uh, they entertain us for three hours, three and a half hours. Good grief. And um, at 10.30 in the morning, um, I do a garden tour and a talk. Um, the talk 
takes about half an hour and then I walk around the garden with people. That's always very popular. And um, we've got art exhibition. Uh, we've got sale of work um, by uh, uh, Catherine Kelly, um, who's a fantastic artist, Lena Woodbrook, and also myself. So three of us are exhibiting. Stacks of food, Devonshire teas, cakes, sausage sizzle, um, all served um, in the large covered courtyard. Uh, so you won't be sitting in the sun. Heaps um, of jams and pickles and preserves, great variety of them. Chrissy does a, does a magnificent job with those. And uh, probably the largest... Um, Plant sales that we've got this year, we've got a, a full range and a lot to choose from. Mm, wow. Sounds fantastic, Tom. Uh, yeah, and uh, what was I going to say to you? Tom, so it's gone clean out of my head. Where can people yeah, find you? Where can people find you? Uh, um, the, uh, it's 3 Lillian Road, Maida Vale, and that's on the corner of Lillian and Horton Roads. In Maida Vale. Vale. And this proceeds go to? The proceeds go to the Amanda Young Foundation. And this is the anniversary of the 20th consecutive year that I've opened the garden for the Amanda Young Foundation. And I'm glad the weather... Extremely worthwhile cause. I'm glad the weather gods have turned it on for you. And what time do you open, Tom? Uh, the, the garden is open from 10 until 4.30 Both and days? the entry is $6 yeah. and children are free. Bargain, yeah. So for people that don't know, Tom's garden is Romancing the Stone yeah. and he's been working at this for many, many years and, of course, the 20th year of opening to support the Amanda Young Foundation and the Amanda Young Foundation was set up to raise awareness and funds about meningococcal disease. That's and right. I know that I know I have a friend who, once she learnt about it, it came to her awareness one night. She had a, a teenage or adult son that wasn't well, you know, had flu symptoms and she thought to check on him in the middle of the night and found the rash on his stomach. So mm. she knew instantly that she had to act. And without the awareness that has come through Amanda's death, many people would not have that heads up. So yeah, would not have survived. Yeah, mm. it's um it's a wonderful thing you're doing, Tom. And, Very significant. and it is so yeah. important to get an early diagnosis. Yeah. If not, um, people lose their limbs or they die. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very so quick. Quickly. It is very quick. So, And I, I understand that the symptoms sometimes are not much different to a cold or flu, um, no. but the, the sensitive, sensitivity to light may be an issue. Um, and they, like if you touch them with a feather, they may be very reactive. So... A bit more severe, but yeah, checking for a rash um, and getting a second opinion. If you've got a gut feeling, then, well, then that's act what on happened. it. Yeah, that's what happened to Amanda. Um, she got a wrong diagnosis and then it was too late. Yep. That's why it's so important to act very quickly. Yeah, And also, um, 
Amanda's garden is uh, open at Southern River on the 28th and 29th of October. That's 28, that's this month. So what's that, three weeks? Of, so we'll feature that closer to the time as well, Tom. Yeah, all right then. Yeah. Well, you have a wonderful weekend. I'm sorry I can't be there, but I know that... Yeah, I am too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, spring is such a busy time. Look, I'd like to congratulate you girls. You do an amazing job. You um, you pass on so much knowledge to, to all your gardening listeners. And, you know, congratulations and well done. Oh, thank you, very Tom. Kind thank of you, you Tom. very, very much for your help. Well, it's, it's our and pleasure. We hope we see a lot of your um, gardening listeners here this weekend. I hope Bound so, to. too. They never let us down, Tom. <laughs> Have a great right. time. And well done yep. to you. Yeah, bye. Bye for bye. now. And that was Tom Hogg. And the garden is called Romancing the Stone. And that's on number three, Lillian Avenue or Road. L- uh, Lillian Road, Lillian corner Road, of Horton. Horton, Maidervale. Which is H-A-W-T-I-N. Yeah, that's a bit tricky, isn't it? H-A-W-T-I-N. So it's not far from the corner of Kalamunda Road intersection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. So, Beautiful part of the world oh. and the weather. So if you haven't got anything on, my you have now. And it's <laughs> even though it's a warm day, yeah. the the canopy of trees will be very pleasant, and the flowing water mm. in Tom's garden make yeah. it um like a not a hot place to, to be. Very pleasant. Yeah, yeah. Wow, we okay. We wish him. We wish him luck. It's a fabulous cause. Okay, nine four eight four one nine two seven. You know what? I because it's quiet. Well, you know, it hasn't been quiet, but I can see some free lines is what I'm trying to say. I think I'm going to give something away. Good idea. Now, I think we'll give away the $75 gift voucher from Bigger Trees in Pickering Book. Now, I was up at Bigger Trees on Sunday collecting some fabulous prizes. We have a high tea tomorrow for some listeners who donated to Radiothon, uh, particular to attend a high tea in Faye's garden. And so I trekked up there last Sunday and picked out uh, some beautiful plants, thanks to Kerry, and uh, these will be uh, raffled tomorrow. So some of the lucky uh, people coming along tomorrow will walk away with a beautiful plant under their arm from bigger trees. And I must say, I had a good look all around the nursery it's looking amazing. I checked out the new native area and that is going really, really well. And it uh, is very, you know, I recommend going up there and just having a wander mm. around. There's so much to look at. So many trees, so many, everything from big to small. And I also walked away. I bought a pot as well. <laughs> and I got a plant from Faye, compliments of Faye. I got a beautiful orange azalea for my birthday uh, that Faye bought me. And I walked away with that. And it was just, yeah, lovely to get up there and Well, and, see and when Carrie. I helped Ray unload the raffle prizes, all I could see in the back of the car was an, an amazing snowball bush. Yeah. And yeah. to top it off, Ray had bought it for me. So yeah. I was over <laughs> the moon. So we did very, very well. I had, mm. I had a lovely time shopping up there, I must say. So bigger trees. You can learn a lot more about them on their website by going to biggertrees.com.au. They're open Thursday through to Sunday of each week. They have a great Facebook page as well for updates. And also um, Jeannie Napier sent us an email. Thank you, Jeannie. Love the pics of your haul at Bigger Trees. Compliments of uh, winning a $75 gift voucher through Let's Talk Gardening. Uh, you, look, 
you had your girlfriend with you and it was her 70th, 70th birthday and it looked like a really nice way to spend your day and I think you may have given her your voucher uh, which was very very kind what a what a great day to spend for your birthday mm. plant shopping can't think of anything better okay now this question I don't know about this one I think this is a bit curly thank you John I sort of I certainly wouldn't be able to come up with this um, of course you must be a Curtain Radio member and not to have won a prize in the last 28 days our phone number is 94841927. Here's the question. According to Burl Ives, in the movie Summer Magic, where does a lonely caterpillar go to find a wife? <laughs> According to Burl Ives, in the movie Summer Magic, where does a lonely caterpillar go to find a wife? 94841927. If you know the answer, $75 gift voucher from Bigger Trees. And trust me, you're going to love that gift voucher when you go shopping. And is there a song that goes with that? Is that what John was referring it, yeah, to? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's a song. The answer is in the song or the oh. title of the song. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. It, makes, it doesn't make it, it easy. And I just really wonder if anyone's going to get that one. I don't, you know. But it's as I said, cryptic. he's a hard taskmaster mm. and he thinks you've got to earn your I don't think caterpillars prize. find wives. You don't think? No. What do you think they do? Well, they're children. Mm. They're, their mums and dads are moths and butterflies. But you're ruining the fairy tale, Faye. <laughs> okay. This is a fairy tale here. <laughs> well, it's my science background and because yeah. I've thought about this before. And, um, of course, it's the parents that have sex to create the eggs that hatch into caterpillars, which are larvae and they that then into... metamorphosize and turn into the adults. So mm, mm. there we go. <laughs> <laughs> you just ruined all the children's aspirations out there. Well, luckily for us, our audience probably aren't children, Ray. That's true. They're Grand, an older demographic, I'm told. Yeah, this is, I, I believe this could be the case of which we are, we have joined. We are part of. <laughs> we, yes. Well and truly. Well and truly. Okay, I can see a few lines starting to ring through now. So someone will have the answer. Okay, you've got an email. I have. Elaine from Cardinia has written in to us and says, thank you for your fabulous show and sharing your extensive gardening knowledge, which we just love to do. And we never stop learning either. These interesting true. dots are appearing on the underside of one of my ferns. Can you help identify what they are? Well, this actually looks like the leaf of a holly fern. And underneath what you see here, Elaine, are spores. So mature fronds are developing spores. And, of course, it is the spores that reproduce when they're mature, fully mature. They will go browner than this and they will become fluffy and they will release spores. So if they're in a shade house situation, um, there's a very strong likelihood that they would pop up in, in pots as new plants. Elsewhere. Mm. 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 So there we go. So it's a good condition. It is. Do not worry. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes I think people see that and go, oh, there's something wrong with my plant. Well, I, we're, we're conditioned to looking for things and things being wrong instead of right. Well, yeah. yes. And who drives that? The companies that sell products to fix mm, things. Mm. So they want you to think 
everything out there is a problem. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. actually not. Yeah, I agree. So the the tides are turning. People are starting to appreciate the the benefit of the the ecosystem and nature and how it all looks after itself if we stop interfering and leave it alone. This is true. Mm. This is true. Now, you brought in a beautiful posy of flowers today that I keep looking at while, whilst we're talking. Thank you, Duke. Right. Yes, I, I put them to... in my coffee cup and added some water when I got here. I was starting to think about what to put on the table for the high tea mm. and you know, roses would, of course, be lovely, but I don't want to go and pick the roses off the bushes. <laughs> if there's anything left after a 35-degree day, they I might know, be dried. yesterday. Mm-hmm. So I've got one minute to quickly run through what I've got here and then we can talk about any of them later if you'd like. We've got cosmos. Which is just a very pretty plant, isn't it? It is, yes, and they come in pinks and whites and very dainty. And, and the chocolate one I love. Ah, yes, of course, mm. yes. Your eye is drawn to Dark different colours. Very different things, mm. yeah. I don't go for the norm. Yeah. And we've got Alstroemeria. Yes, gorgeous. Maria with its beautiful fragrance, fragrance as well. And the wedding bush, Ricina so carpus, pretty. full of white blossoms at the moment. Yeah. We've got lavender. We've got a variegated geranium leaf with a pink flower. We've got crassula, which is just gorgeous, delicate pink and white star flowers. Yeah. And the the green leaves of the plant just cover a space and suppress weeds, which I just love and need more of. Ozothamnus, which is white fluffy balls, and it's a native. And then a red and white, I think it might be a lipstick, salvia. S- Sylvia, hot Sylvia, what's it called? Oh, hot lips. Hot lips. That yeah. would be it. We got there. You said lipstick. I said hot. <laughs> we got there. Hot lips. And then a couple of natives in the mix. So we've got a, a very fine, small, white gelatin wax and a minute bottle brush. And that bottle brush is a beautiful out there at the oh, moment. Absolutely stunning. And of course, the eucalyptus cinerea. Mm. And at the moment, the. Um, the bottle brush and the marry trees and the Ilyaris are bringing in the cockies, the red tails mm. and the white tails, and they're feasting in my garden. They are mess-making mm. rascals. <laughs> yes. Okay, now we do have a winner, Francis in North Beach. Good on you. The question was, according to Burl Ives in the movie Summer Magic, where does a lonely caterpillar go to find a wife? The answer is the ugly bug ball. <laughs> okay, good on you, Francis. Uh, $75 gift voucher from Bigger Trees, the beautiful Bigger Trees, coming your way this week. Enjoy. Do let us know what you do with it. Curtain Radio. You're with Ray and Faye. This is Let's Talk Gardening. And as promised, we have been joined in the studio by... Author, presenter, Mr. Sustainability himself, Chris Ferreira, from the Forever Project. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And looking at this beautiful bouquet of flowers that you bought in, we just went through it. We just went through it because it was, you know, I'm staring at it while I'm talking to Faye. Instead of looking at Faye when she's talking, my my eyes are drawn to the flowers. I can't help myself. I get that, Ray. It's okay. (laughs) And as a romantic, I always, because I have a lot of flowers in my garden, and I pluck a flower for my partner and I often give her a little posy. Like, what do you do if you're trying to be romantic and all you've got is artificial turf? 
Oh, yeah, yeah, I know. It. I've got to lay the boot into artificial turf any chance I get. Do so, it. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, so um, they look beautiful, what you have there. Absolutely yeah. glorious. What, what have you been up to, young man? Oh, um, yeah, well, my the eco apartments have nearly finished in the back garden, which is very cool. So, so what will happen next? Well, um, we're all praying that this season is not going to be as hot and horrible as every, everyone's, everyone's predicting. Yeah, they said that last year too. Oh, you know? I'm a bit over the predictions. Yeah, me too, me too. Let's just go with the flow yes. and deal with it as yes. it comes. Which is very... So for me, gearing up now for the fire season and the whole firewise stuff. And, you know, I just was teaching here yesterday for... Were yeah, you? Yeah, beautiful. At, yeah, and teaching firewise and all these amazing students. And we are looking at aerial photos of some of the developments that are allowed in WA. And you just think, this is madness. We're, we're allowing developers to put enclaves of homes, people completely ignorant, surrounded by bushland. Yeah. And you think... You know, you wouldn't be allowed to build on a on a fault line or you wouldn't be able to build near their avalanche risk. And yet we still in this state are allowing developers to get land and put housing in spaces, which is completely unsafe. Yeah. So that's a good segue into where we have to get to, which is becoming so much more understanding of fire and how we can design resilience into the way we live with our homes and gardens and the way we build developments. Mm, but of course, they shouldn't then clear that bush. I know that's right, and so, that will be the knee jerk so reaction. They that's should right. have a buffer zone. Exactly, exactly. That, that mm. It's a little bit like, oh, let's shoot sharks because someone got attacked yeah, by a shark. It's yeah. the same mentality. It's yeah. well, it's not. Yeah. You know, it the developers like should that. not be allowed to be, and mm. if they are, then they have to be totally educating people, designing firewise gardens, which we'll talk about. So, you know, it just was really a stark reminder that we're still a long way behind and we're playing catch up. So we've got legacy developments that are badly designed and then we have to educate people to get into the frame. But so there's lots how, of hope in that How space. do we do it? What can we do? Well, the, the, you know, we, we can take a lesson from the WaterWise message, which the WaterWise program, which has had bipartisan support for probably 40 years now. Mm. And it's a world-class program. If you asked anyone in the street, they'd probably have heard of WaterWise and most people yeah. will have done, be able to cite a thing, a few things they need to do to become WaterWise. Yeah. So as, as a ongoing education program that's been successful, well, we just need to shift, use that model and roll out firewise. So the beauty, and that's what we really do now. So the beauty is there's some really simple things that people can do to create firewise homes. And I guess from our perspective, it's wherever you are, if the risk of fire is there. And that's the thing people need to remember is it's ember attack. Yeah. 80% of homes that are destroyed, it's embers. Embers. Mm. Because the embers are the forefront. They're yeah. the scouts that are going ahead of the big monster yeah. called the fire. Yeah. And if those embers land and they can feed on fuel, they burst into flames and that gives the fire momentum. Plus, if someone scarpered and left an unattended home because of the threat of fire, mm. if the embers lodge, no one's there to put them out and that's when houses get destroyed. So... In one sense, it's actually quite simple. You need to design your home and garden so it's a total starvation diet for embers. So you design your garden, and that is not green concrete. Mm. It, there are some beautiful gardens that you can put in with a whole range of water-wise and waste-wise and 
and and fauna friendly components so you can have a beautiful garden but you are just tweaking it just removing as, the fuel yeah and mm. just as we now tweak our gardens to make them water wise whether yeah. it's cottage or roses mm. or productive mm. we can tweak our garden to make it fire wise so that's why i say the model of water wise is a wonderful example of how we can shape and steer people in a positive way to get the outcome that we want there's a and a lot to this. I've mm. just made notes as you're, you're talking. You're furiously taking notes. Well, we, we're in an area. Mm, we yeah. have bush. Mm. And, in fact, when I mowed one of my new lawn areas the other day, we established a, it just grew by itself, really, yeah. where we used to have a bonfire. doesn't need a lot of water at all, and it just goes green. And I took a photo, and I went, okay, emergency evacuation yeah, assembly a, point, yeah. because it just looked like that sort of area. So that is between our our house gardens and the bush. Yeah, that's right. But talking about ember attack, like cleaning gutters. Oh, absolutely. Well, and then mm. we get into the risk about cleaning gutters. Mm. So we mm. have moved forward from I am cleaning the gutters to the next time we will actually get a contractor in yeah. because I've got to the age uh, where it's not yeah. really good to be up a ladder. Yes, good call. It's very sensible of you, Faye. <laughs> oh, yes, well, yes. I'll tell you all about it later, Ray. Yeah. Oh, um, we had and, this chat the other yeah. night. Oh, yeah. oh no, we haven't had Some, this chat. Something's happened since we had our chat. Something has happened. Mm. Yes, reality check. Um, but also furnishing. Mm. So yeah, if you've got mm. embers coming to your patio, mm. we have a barbecue there. There's right. a gas bottle. That's right. There's furniture, of course, that could yeah. be flammable. Leaf litter yeah. that's just blown up against the door. All those things. And there are, of course, plant choices mm -hmm. that some yes. some of the gum trees yeah. have bark that yes. will just, like, yeah. shoot oh, yeah. the flames right, right up That's the tree. Right. Others are a smooth bark. That's it. Um, plants that will minimise fire. So they'll mm. catch embers. They won't actually mm. burn. Mm. They'll the allow to smoulder. And then, of course, pruning. Yeah, so yeah, having exactly. burnable trees, probably yes. some of these... Mm like the Geraldton Wax and the, the Melaleucas, mm. they're very volatile. Yeah. So keeping them pruned That's right. low That's so right. they're not creating that wick exactly. up to the the foliage and canopy. You, you, you've hit it, and that's that's the key. So, I mean, from our perspective, there are five key principles of a firewise garden. Yeah. Five. And, can, can and we it's have pretty them? simple. Yep, yeah. absolutely. So number one is you, you're hitting it, and Faye's got them all there. Mm. You you would expect that she would have all of that sus. Mm. Um, so number one is you choose fire-retardant plants as much as possible. Now, what's mm. a fire-retardant plant? Yeah. Well, we call them firewise. So these are plants that either don't burn or they burn very slowly. Everything will burn if catastrophic fires are there. You know, oh, we only course, need to see pictures. Mm -hmm. But, sorry, I'll take a step back. And the um, the Royal Commission into the bushfires, the Black Saturday fires, we forensically look at post-fire events, and we do it very well in Australia. And what they found is that the houses that survived the catastrophic front, there were two styles of homes that had a much higher chance of surviving catastrophic fire. One was a lush garden, which for WA, we can only do with grey water and Ray's giving me that look like what's a lush garden well no no I so so well I know which but how mm. does that help basically if the plants are full of water green yeah big fat yeah, cells yeah, of yeah. plants they're less likely to burn yeah, the wet yeah. stuff on the hot stuff puts it out if there's enough of it that's yep. the simple jargon yep. 
The only way we can have a lush garden in WA is with grey water. Grey water, hallelujah. What a great opportunity to reuse the, the water from the laundry in the shower and mm. you put it around that fire safe zone around your house. So we're talking about that 20 to 40 metre area around your house. That's the firewise zone that you concentrate on because that's the area where you will need to retreat to if things are tough. All right. We do so that's to, number one. Okay. We've we'll, got, we, yeah, we've got to have a break. Yeah. We'll, we'll do number two thought. in just a moment. Curtain Radio in Special guest with us in the studio this morning, Chris Ferreira from the Forever Project. And we are talking about the fire season mm. and how we can protect ourselves, protect our mm. homes. And we started off mm. on the number one rule, mm. and now we've got four more to get through. Indeed. And, and I was just... Uh, what, what gives us the confidence to know these sorts of gardens work is, as I said, the, the, um, the Bushfire Royal Commission. So they found lush gardens give you a yeah. much higher chance. So grey water, if you can use it. And then the other style, they didn't have a name for it because Firewise is a very new concept that we've come up with. But mm. they said a well-managed garden where it, it, it has all those elements. Pruning. So, Pruning, leaves everything you said. But then should we use mulch? Like ah, there's... Hold that thought. I will <laughs> yeah. talk about that. Yeah. So in terms of a firewise garden, so it's choosing as much as possible fire retardant plants. Now, there's a lot of information out there now there is. on firewise plants. Some nurseries are a little reticent, but the point is you've got to give people direction or else mm. they'll just choose anything. So there is very good lists. The only And there's lots of them online and probably the best... Uh, information besides my book. I've got a lot in my book, A Place in the Country, but the CFA, which is the Victorian equivalent of DFES, they have a fantastic publication called uh, Landscaping and Bushfire Zones. It's a free downloadable publication. It's fantastic. Landscaping so, and Bushfire Zones. Yes. So okay. it's the CFA, that which yeah. is the Country Fire Authority. And earlier this year, we spoke to an author who'd written... Uh, Leslie, is that Les yes. wonderful, Leslie? Hers is fantastic yes. too. Fire safer gardens. Lots, yes. lots of lists yes. and plant choices, and she really went yeah. into it in depth. Oh my god, studying. she's the nerd, and, mm. and, and you know that work should have been done by federal <sighs> government aid. That's what I mean. We're so far behind. Anyway, so point number one: firewise plants. The adjunct to that is your native plants, those that you know are flammable, like uh, anything where you crush the leaf, it's got that Australiana smell, as yeah. you said. Oils. We're, we're removing mm. the lower branches, which leads to point number two, which is the mulches that we use. Now, mm. if your fire risk is high, that 20 to 40 metre area, you should be using recycled rubble mulches. Wood mulches burn. Pea straw burns if your fire risk is high. So I'm yeah. not, I love those mulches, but if you are in an area where the risk is high yeah. for those critical months, you need to be thinking very carefully because they will burn, they will smolder, and people have them right up to the house. So yes, it's just like a welcome do. mat. Yeah. In, in defense of mulch, yep. if, and if you had warning, you would put your sprinklers on and yeah. that mulch would be wet. Exactly. And it yeah. would hold. Yes. To a certain point, yep, and it would help and to you're to right. Put them out. And mm. the beauty of this is when you start to think of it in that way, then you mm. make those sound decisions. Or if you do have wood mulches, then you border it with with recycled rubble. And the reason I say recycled rubble is it's so readily available now. It's beautiful, and most of the hard landscaping that we get has a massive ecological footprint. So they've cleared bushland, they've excavated a hill. 
So the recycled rubble is beautiful. You can get it at different sizes and colors. You can do paths, which leads to the third point, which you're touching on, which is you need gaps. So you need gaps horizontally. Again, we're starvation diet. So the mm. embers land, the plants are not a big tangled mess. That's a dream for embers. Mm. So you have gaps horizontally and vertically. So that's why you were saying pruning, making sure the embers just can't get into the higher. The higher the fuel gets or the higher the burn goes, the more then the wind is going to blow it further. And that's when you get the massive fire spotting potential. Mm. And the fourth one is management, management, management. Because if you don't keep on top of that fine fuel, about one tonne per hectare per year of fine fuel. So that's leaves, that's dry grasses. That's the things that embers want, which is interesting because we cut down trees it, mm -hmm. as a knee-jerk reaction. The last thing to burn when you're trying to start a fire is a big log. Yeah. It's the fine fuels. Yes. They're the enemy. Don't <clears throat> cut down your beautiful trees. Acknowledge that it might be a yeah. risk. And you then put underneath them a rubble mulch or beautiful succulents so that mm. you are minimizing the risk of that plant. And obviously you get rid of any overhanging branches. So, you know, you're not feeding your gutters. Mm. Mm. And then there's lots of products you can now put onto your home to stop the embers getting into the gap. So a gap of more than two mils, embers get into houses. So there are lots of products now that are fire rated. So there are foams, there's uh, cement boarding. There's a lot of different things that you can walk around your house really? and look at the gaps and simple things mm. like fly screen. Most mm. people's fly screen is plastic. Mm. So if the fire, again, if the fire risk for you is high, the higher it is, the more you need to think seriously yeah, about this stuff. Sure. And we'll talk about what the bowel rating is when we come back, which is one of the fantastic quantitative ways that you can find out for sure what is the risk for you. A lot mm. of councils have this, but you can also get assessments done. And that bowel stands for bushfire attack level. So it's a, a national standard. So whenever you put into your local government to, to build a house or do an extension, you will have to get a bowel rating done. I see. Chris, can you mm. just quickly run yeah. through those five main points yes. again, please? Okay. So number one, you're choosing your firewise plants. Yep. Number two, which whatever plants you choose to keep, that are not firewise, you manage them. You're choosing as much as possible mulches and path materials that don't burn. So the recycled rubble and crushed material. Number three, gaps. You have gaps between your plants vertically and horizontally and management, management, management. And the final thing that I'll say is fill your garden with things that don't burn. Bird baths, gabions, caught and steel, beautiful mm. big logs that have mm. been debarked. Gorgeous things that can look mm. magnificent in your garden. Metal mm. sculptures, fill your boots. Yeah. So a garden is much more than plants. And number five. Oh, I think that was number, I think. <laughs> oh, All right. <laughs> okay. Number five is design. So try and get some aerial perspective of your property and where the major fire fronts are going to be coming from. So okay. you can say, right, this is the threat. Yes. Hmm. Okay. Thank you, Faye. Nine, nine o'clock news, everyone. Sunny today with a maximum of 34, right now sitting on 28.2 with a humidity at 21. You can look forward to a mostly sunny day tomorrow with a maximum of 26. And the Bureau is forecasting on Monday a partly cloudy day with a maximum of 25. And our rainfall so far for October is sitting on 8.2 mils against our average of 40.4. Lots of time to catch up and hopefully catch up on September as well. It was a very dry September, yeah, wasn't it, Chris? That's right. And, you know, that's yeah. that's the fuel loads. They're beginning to, to build yeah, up. Mm. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, so we were talking off air um, about, you know, there's such a wonderful crossover between water-wise, which every garden has to be. Yeah. Um, and I say to people, we're the fastest drying part of the world's driest continent. We so, are. Yeah. So, nice. you know, when I grew up, when we grew mm. up in Perth, mm. all when, when Mundaring Weir overflowed, there was collective yeah. euphoria. Oh, we yeah. don't need water restrictions. Yeah. Fast forward now, 7% of our water on average is rainwater. Mm. The rest is desal, desalination mm -hmm. and groundwater extraction. You know, that, you know, if that's not a changing climate, I don't know what is. Mm. So, you know, we're coupled with the fact that our population has is increased, increased, increased exponentially. Absolutely. Right. And, um, and it's interesting that the, the amount of water per household has been going down. So the water wise messaging has definitely made a difference. But um, one of the key things, as you'll know, for a water wise garden is dealing with water repellency. So breaking that waxy surface so the water goes into the soil and that's going to help enormously with your firewise garden because if your garden, if your plants are healthy, they're full of water, they're less likely to burn. But you were saying, you know, that whole idea of pruning and managing that landscape, it's just so critical. It, it So where does that leave us when people have mobility issues and things like that? It gets tricky. And so into the future, I think what you're going to see happening is local governments will probably subsidise firewise teams to go into aged care facilities or people with mobility issues and do the, the, the fundamental things that are required to make those areas more fire safe. Mm. And that can be a fee for service for others who can afford it so that we can start to make those gardens but safer. But design, of course, is Design's critical. The right design critical. will save time and money Absolutely. in the long run. And, and you made the point, you know, we don't all want all the gardens to be the same. And that's true. And we've set up seven Firewise demonstration gardens now. And we've got funding federally to do another 18, which is great. And we hope that's wow. the beginning of this process. Mm. But in each garden, we put in a cottage garden. We put in a succulent garden. We put in a native garden. We put in a productive garden. Showing people, it doesn't matter what style of garden you want, you it can, can still, be done exactly. Yeah, and like we want that. people to go, Oh my god, I didn't realize I that. could have that. And obviously, mm. laying the boot into artificial turf again, never yeah. ever use artificial turf, particularly in a fire risk area because mm. it's plastic. Yeah. When those embers burn, boom, it bursts into flames and then it's toxic. Mm. So, whereas dry fuels will burn and it's no one, mm. it's toxic, this is plastic, yeah. So there are no there are no good no, reasons to no, have it. No, 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 definitely not. Agreed. Yes. Mm. Tell me about your book. Yeah, so well this is the second edition of it, A Place in the Country. So it's really designed for anyone over the getting more than say a thousand square meters, up to a thousand acres, really. Yeah. It's designed for what we call the small farmers, the hobby farmers, the tree changers. So it's really giving people all the skills that they need to choose the right property, but then how to have pasture, if you can have stock, how to have a firewise garden, how to stop the hot, dry winds, make the house cooler in summer, dealing with weeds, managing your bushland. So all the different things. Dealing with weeds. Uh, that could fill a book. It, it? I know, it's a big chunk. <laughs> It'd be it's a bestseller. A yeah. <laughs> well, if you look around, like even coming in here today, yeah, yeah. I was looking uh, along uh, Leach Highway, huge native mm. plants looking fantastic. And up through the middle, the fumaria. Yeah. You know, it's know. what chance have the rest of us got I when know. when the public open spaces are, are weeds and yeah. mm -hmm. clear or areas next to schools. There's a whole vacant paddock yeah, in South Lake, right. and the weeds are waist yeah, high. Yeah. Mm. And that's a big education thing. And um, 
you know, it's interesting. People need to remember as well that the major risk of fire is those fire weeds. Now, the mm. worst of them are the introduced East African grasses, yeah. felt grass, African love grass, tambuki grass, wild oats. We all know them. Mm. And they were introduced into this country as stock feed. And many of them just weren't that good. A bit, a bit like the cane beetle. It mm. was, or the cane toad, sorry. It was introduced with the right intentions, but it just yeah. never really worked. So they are the major risk in terms of fire, not our eucalypts, etc. The point being that the first things to burn are the dry grasses. Mm. That's what gives the fire momentum. So we need to be getting rid of those fuels first. Slashing, mowing, whatever it takes, judicious burning. And, you know, it's really interesting in Australia, we have a pretty crude, blunt instrument when it comes to burning bushland. So you may or may not know. So DBCA, which is our Department of Biodiversity Conservation, so our conservation agency, they have to burn by law 200,000 hectares per year. So as the window of opportunity shrinks, so we get a day where the smog comes over the city, the yeah. phones melt down in politicians' yeah. offices. So yeah. the pressure goes back on DBCA to do smaller, smaller uh, windows of burn time. So mm. what do they do? They burn bigger areas to get to that 200,000 hectare requirement. So they do crude, blunt burning rather than nuanced burning, which was what indigenous people have been doing for yeah. thousands and thousands mm. of years. Mm. So we need to be integrating that more nuanced, what we call mosaic burning into yeah. the way we manage our bushland. And that's where we can have a fantastic chance to speed up reconciliation because as well. Our our natural bushland works mm. very well mm. where you've got native animals yes. and the bandicoots particularly That's are right. digging all the time, yeah, bioturbation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they're digging that leaf litter in. They're creating little wells. The leaf litter sits, falls in there. Then the rains come and that all breaks down. And the load yes. is not that high right. of leaf litter in a natural bushland. Right. It's, so, yeah. it, it's better than burning... And having all that that weed growth come in, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Mm. And they learnt from again the Black Saturday fires. Areas that had been burnt using the traditional prescription burn exploded with new growth. Yeah. So they burnt almost as ferociously as the areas that had not been burnt. So mm. it is not working as a tool. I get why they were trying to do it because they were trying to deal with the problem. But again, not enough nuance. So we need to be thinking so much more about where we do our burns and doing the targeted burning. And, you know, when, when you burn a wetland, that's when you know you've, it's a crude, blunt instrument. We should not be burning our wetlands. They're the last things to burn. And they are, once they burn through a, a so-called hazard reduction burn, then you get massive smouldering and peat fires that just burn for months. And then that can catalyse fires over the summer season. So it's it's a nightmare when that sort of what stuff is, happens. What is the best timing for burning? Yeah, well, generally it's once the fire ban has been lifted. So that's usually around June. So cool winter burns are probably the best burns to do. Spring burning is not great because there's a lot of animals with and, you know, they've got babies and Depends all Depends on your stuff. purpose for burning yes. too, doesn't yes. it? Because a lot of your native orchids will yeah, be Yeah, I was out. thinking about that. So there, yeah, that's there's right. different purpose. Where can people get more information mm. about these firewise mm. landscapes, Chris? Thank you. So we've got a range of events coming up. So people can just go to the Forever Project website. So right. we've got a big event with DFES, which is your state government agency fire board, 
DFES. So we're doing a fantastic Firewise Day at their Bushfire Centre for Excellence, which is um, near Mandurah. Yeah. So all the details are on our website. Um, in Rockingham, we're doing a day on the 28th. And we're of doing October. of October, and then we're doing a day with uh, the Quinana Volunteer Brigade and Jandicott. The um, we did a Firewise Garden at the fire, Jandicott Fire Station. They're having an open day as well soon. So, do you know the one on Banjup Road? I do. I yes, do. they've been to my place burning. Oh, okay, mm. and they were off literally doing going out to do a burn recently. So the beauty of the Firewise Gardens is it's teaching people how to design, but also when they're interfacing with the public, they can say, ah, you shouldn't have your wood mulch going right up to the house or right around the base of a flammable tree. Go and have a look at these Firewise Gardens. See what you can use and take from that to adapt your own garden to make mm. it safer. Yeah. yeah. You give us a lot of food for thought. <laughs> your alarm is going yes, off. Oh, that's alarming. You... Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah. Now, we've had uh, listeners problems with our phone lines this morning yeah. uh, so we believe uh, we'd love for a couple of people to ring through let's test the lines 94841927 but we do believe on and off this morning there has been intermittent problems with people ringing in and getting through so, so don't simply forget, don't no don't don't forget our email <laughs> gardening yeah. at curtainfm.com.au as well send questions that way too yeah yeah and on our website, there's lots of fantastic images of Firewise Gardens, so people can begin to see what's possible, and more and more of that is going to be seen and rolled out. So it's it's really exciting. We have lots of opportunities to keep building on this. Hmm. You Massive you cover job. a lot of um, different areas, but yeah, it's, it's all linked, isn't yeah, it, Chris? It is, like it, absolutely, it's, it all comes back to design, like understanding what our issues yeah. are going forward. Exactly. More people, less space. But let's not get rid of the trees Absolutely. in doing that. Absolutely. And let's manage our our areas as best we can. The, oh. the public yeah. open spaces and yeah. native spaces because they honestly need to be protected. Uh, absolutely. And you, you've hit the nail on the head. And, you know, the old adage, the right plants in the right place for the right reasons. So mm. you're thinking about it. So, yeah, if mm. fire is your risk, um, then that should shape and it. Yeah, as you said, the garden should be the biggest room of our home, and we say that all the time. Yeah. So if fire is a risk, then you have these beautiful gardens that are going to reduce the risk of fire. And think of this into the future. We are going to reach a point where a fire-wise garden will increase the value of your property and reduce your premiums for your insurance. This Why? Is, because very, it will begin to yeah. be recognised. We will have the quantitative ed evidence to show. <laughs> I wonder how long that will take. Yeah, good. <laughs> well, that's right. And, you know, that's that's our hope with Curtin Uni. So we're literally going to be hopefully designing micro-credentials. So we get wonderful PhD students pulling all the information from around the world to go. If you do these gardens, it drops your bowel rating. As your bowel rating goes down, mm. to build becomes cheaper, to retrofit becomes cheaper, and you can then showcase your house, just as people will say all the other features. You can now proudly say, I have a firewise home and garden, and that will significantly increase the value of your property. And I think they are already do the doing the bowel, mm. bowel rating yes. Yes. to determine whether they will approve yes, building development that's right close to bushland exactly. so it's already exactly. on the radar be careful of the bowel assessors that you use a lot of them are cowboys they're not ecologists so they'll just come in and go we'll just clear everything there are some very good bowel assessors a couple of them that are very good and are nuanced that understand it's not destroying everything to reduce the fuel load it's nuance and subtlety so they 
understand the concepts of Firewise and how we can blend all of this together. So how, how do people know? Yeah, there's a couple of companies if I can recommend. So Biodiverse Solutions is a right. very good company. And mm-hmm. then there's uh, Rowan Kaboon, who you probably know. He's a very good uh, a bowel assessor who understands that balance between managing and designing landscapes and reducing the bowel assessment. Mm-hmm. So just check with them. Have they heard about Firewise landscaping? If they go, what does that mean? Mm. Then they're probably not the person the for you. Your alarm bells yeah. need to go off. Yeah. Because you're right. You will need to get a bowel assessment done if you are building or retro. If you need to get a, an approval from your council, mm. you will have to get a bowel assessment done right. if they know that mm. the risk is high. So be careful about who you use because they could just say destroy your garden which is mm. not what we want mm. so let, let's do a quick recap mm. on what listeners can do mm. to walk around their properties mm. right now yeah. and recognize what could could be um the wrong things in Beautiful. the wrong place. Go, so, Chris. So number one is where where are the fires going to be coming from? So it's usually the hot, dry winds. So mm. that's anywhere from the east, northeast, southeast, coupled with fuel loads. So if you have lots of fuel and those hot, dry winds, you go, right, that's the area I need to focus on protecting. So as you said, you walk around your house and look at where leaves are naturally building up because that's where the embers will lodge as well. So you're looking for piles of of the leaves or dry standing fuel where your wood pile is, the dog basket. As you said, the outdoor furniture, the gas bottles, those are the sorts of things that you go, okay, that's a risk. How am I going to manage that? Mm. Now's the time to go out with the wetting agents and really get that into the soil so your irrigation system is ready so your plants are going to get that water in they're more hydrated plants that are close to and overhanging gutters etc you've just got to start clearing them away any dead dying materials you go if you thought embers would land on that and feast on it you need to start thinking time to prune that out remove it if it's too close or is dying so you start to get rid of the things the embers are going to feed on and check your outdoor furniture absolutely if you're going away on holidays yep. maybe put your cushions inside exactly. it's a great put idea. your uh, burnable furniture away from the house exactly. if you're looking for a new outdoor setting think about something yeah. that won't burn exactly and you know i mentioned very quickly about some of the products that you can put onto your house there's an australian standard for fire rated products okay. it's as which stands for australian standard 3959-2018 AS3959-2018. That's when they updated it, so 2018. So you can go in and any big hardware store, and if it doesn't have the AS3959 rating, but it says it's Firewise, it may not be. We sell a lot of things that claim to be what they ain't. So that's why that accreditation is so important Important. if you are looking to plug the gaps in your home. Yeah. Love it. And this information, listeners, uh, will be on our podcast. Mm. That will be put up later this afternoon and you can access it by going to curtainfm.com.au on the home page. Click on uh, where it says programs and the drop down bar will take you to Let's Talk Gardening. If you'd like to re-listen to all this wonderful information that you have imparted oh, upon us all this morning. Wow, Chris Ferreira. It's a ple- Look, thank you so much. You always drop everything to have me on and I really, really appreciate yeah, it. We did. We had yeah. lots of people lined up. But we You're magnificent. You I really... I, I, I uh, love it, and I love coming in and chatting with you, fantastic people, and you just keep spreading the great words. Well, you so know we're big cool. fans of you, so thank you. Yeah. Vice versa, okay. I have to race off to Mara. Right, off you, you go. Mm-hmm. All right, and we're off to a break. Okay. Curtain Radio. 
And we appreciate your company this morning. We do evidently have phone line issues. Uh, you can email us, however, by going to gardening at curtainfm.com.au. If you have been trying to get through and you can't, we're aware that there are problems here and we are in contact with people to try and get something sorted. But, yeah, we we just we carry on. And uh, being uh, very good at, uh, like, being able to talk underwater with mouthfuls of marbles, Faye and I. Oh, look, Ray, you know... When, when it comes to gardening... When I was coming in today, I thought, you know, this is... It's relaxing. I come in, <laughs> I have a coffee and yeah. a chat. You know, yeah. there's no stress. Talking amongst our friends. Yeah, no, no. There's five people out there listening now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, um, Chris Ferreira just blows me away every time. He's, he's, his intellect... Oh, he's, he's well, he's incredible. passionate mm. and he's well accomplished and, you know, it's all it's natural for him. I know. Uh, I've listened to him talk on so many subjects, even on other radio stations, and I, quite often I think, who are you? Because he's just like a, he's a, like a scientist, isn't he? Mm. And when he has his so open gardens or sustainable open days, like you, you always come away learning something new and being inspired. Yeah. So he's just been brilliant to sit and listen to. So uh, a lot of information will be available if you'd like to re-listen to Chris today on our podcast, which will be posted later on this afternoon, thanks to John. Okay. Now, on this weekend, of course, we talked to Tom Hogg from Romancing the Stone, and his garden is open in Maida Vale this weekend, Mm -hmm. corner of Lillian and Horton Roads. And as well, Open Gardens have... A garden in Chittering yes. today and tomorrow, and that is Wayuna Downs, W Y U N A, and it's a large property, three two one five Julemar Road in Chittering, and oh, I'd love to be going up there and having a look, Ray. Me too. But, but we have uh, bigger fish to fry this weekend. <laughs> we have our Curtain Radio high tea tomorrow. So for some of our listeners who donated during Radiothon, uh, Faye put out there they we would do a high tea in her garden. And uh, we do have about 30 or more listeners coming along tomorrow. So we've been preoccupied with that. And that is taking up our weekend, of course. And we look forward to meeting uh, everyone tomorrow afternoon is going to be a lovely afternoon and the weather gods have looked after us thank you better yes. than a day like we had on monday 26 you know? i think it something might be beautiful forecast, like which that. is it's just, lovely that's just perfection better than a 30 which is yeah. today so keeping up with the keeping tabs on the garden is a little of a challenge at the moment Pretty for me daunting. Uh, mm. fortunately last weekend we got one of the shade houses up and running and i put a lot of the plants from the patio in there mm. so you know for for other people that are thinking about how they manage their gardens over summer you know shade houses are just a lifesaver to have that protection and to have an irrig- irrigation system in there that is automatic means that you can um, give it the best of both worlds. Mm. So in the middle of a 40-degree a day, I might put the sprinklers on, the mist is on for about a minute, mm. and that drops the temperature instantly, mm. Mm. and it provides that moisture in the air that a lot of our plants love. Hanging baskets, ferns, mm. Mm. aroids, epiphytic, cactus and hoya. Mm. Gosh, there's so so many 
Isn't that well? And the phones are working, Ray. So okay, call us and let us know that you're there. Let's, let's yeah, do ring in. Let's let's have a chat. Nine four eight four one nine two seven because evidently the lines are working. Mm. Another way to test them is to give away something from <laughs> Green Life Soil Co. So we actually know that there is someone there. Now, Green Life Soil Co. They are located on Wilson Road in Middle Swan, and they currently have uh, in stock a great range of organically grown veggie seedlings. And I do recommend the Green Life Soil Co. monthly newsletter. One has just lobbed in the last few days. Uh, it has a lot of timely information in it. It is free. And uh, to register to receive this each month, just become a member. Go to greenlifesoil.com.au. They have a really good Facebook page too with lots of up-to-date information uh, and advice in getting your garden through spring and the proposed hot summer to follow. You can also get a pre pH test done on your soil, which would be a really good idea. Take some soil samples into Green Life and they can provide you with options of how to treat your soil and what you what you would actually need to do and what you can do to improve it if that needs to be done. Um, it doesn't hurt to ring the guys ahead if you'd like this to be done. Uh, give them a call and make sure they've got time to be able to give to you because it's a very busy time of the year being spring. Now, for your chance to win a $75 gift voucher to spend at Green Life Soil Co., you must be a Curtain Radio member not to have won a prize in the last 28 days. True or false, the wheelbarrow was invented by the Romans. True or false, the wheelbarrow was invented by the Romans. 94841927. Let's just see. Let's just see what happens if the phones actually are working because we know our listeners love their shopping vouchers. Mm. And I have visions of the chariots, <laughs> you know, yeah. with the horse and the gladiators yeah. in the stadium. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, so and, no, and some gardener oh. was probably going... Now, I could use that to move all my tomato plants from one place to another. <laughs> well, the phones are ringing, so there you go. Things are on the move. So listeners are out there. Okay. Well, and it's veggie growing season, right? It certainly is. So whether you're what, growing in the ground or pots. What the, should we be planting? Well, I have a few favourites here. Capsicums tomatoes, yes. zucchini, and of course zucchini are one of the quickest growing plants, particularly if you want to get kids involved. Zucchinis will produce because, fruit yeah, they, in the, the shortest amount of time. does not need to be <laughs> applied, does it? No, and you, you give them an extra couple of days and they grow huge, and you can do a lot with them. One of my favourite recipes is the zucchini slice. I love and it too. It's it's mm. easy and it's healthy. Mm. So, mm. yeah, every garden should have one. Mm. Uh, cucumbers, and there's a few different varieties. The apple cucumbers are lovely. You just eat them like a fruit. Then you've got your Lebanese or the Burt Plus ones. Yeah. Pumpkins, once again, come in a range of sizes. Now, if you've got a veggie patch and it's not under any protection, get some Rio mesh or wire mesh that you can string string up and over or create an arch from yeah and that way you can grow these vining crops up and across 
and friends of mine, the McCarthys, call theirs a pumpkin palace. So they <laughs> they have the vines climbing up. It's providing shade for the other plants, and that's a really good good way to grow cucumbers or pumpkins. Uh, of course, spinach or your rainbow chard you can grow year round. And there's lots of herbs, summer herbs, basils, quite a range of basils, uh, beans, coriander. Now, not your normal coriander. There is a sawtooth coriander. So if you don't want to miss out on the flavour, the sawtooth coriander is quite a coarse leaf plant and that will grow year round. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, if you've still got coriander growing, you could grow some in little little cups floated in water, say on a pond, and that would be happy there mm. for for a little while yeah. until we get the extreme days. Mm. And it will depend on how much sun they're getting mm. and temperature. But a body of water maintains temperature and cooling. It'll provide a cooling effect because as the breeze comes across, mm. the water is evaporating and the moisture is being picked up. Mm. Passion fruit. Who doesn't love passion fruit? So go for the sunshine special. Improve a big hole in the ground. Put your lamb's fry underneath it <laughs> and away you go. Mm. Im- yeah, improve the soil, mulch it and water it and you'll have fruit before you know it. Maybe not this year, but next year. Uh, locusts and mulberries are going off right now. Your locust tree is delightful. Mm, yes, and the rainbow lorikeets have started to come in, the red cat parrots, the red tail cockies, the white tail cockies. So I have carpets of bottle brush and locusts and... Oh, there's something for everyone at our place. <laughs> Come into Fayakaro's mm. place and have a, have a feed. Okay, now we do have a winner uh, of our Green Life Soil Co. competition, Jessica of Claremont. Good on you. Voucher on its way to you this week. The question was, true or false, the wheelbarrow was invented by the Romans? False. It was either the Greeks or the Chinese. Chinese most likely, but definitely not the Romans. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I wonder who invented the wheel. <laughs> like, John will know. <laughs> <laughs> it's too early in the morning for me, Faye. Well, yeah, necessity is the mother of invention. Hmm. You do wonder how it started, don't you? Like maybe it was something like a log and they were cut into discs and then, well, even just a log with something over the top. Yeah. It's yeah. a good way of moving, moving things, things around, isn't it? It is. Like a roller. Mm-hmm. And then they went, well, if we put this brace through the middle mm. and we put a box on top, <laughs> we could fill it up with people and move them from one place to another. <laughs> Hence the car. <laughs> Jeez, I'm glad I was born now <laughs> in this era. Yeah, no, it's it's quite remarkable. I love that's what I love about Europe and the older countries is the the history and mm. yeah that's just well you know we we it's a very different country here but uh, that's why I do so much about yeah well and it's changing isn't it I just Ray love it yes changed a lot in fifty years listening to Chris and you know the forecast of less water well and even if it isn't less water we've got to share it 
around a lot more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's it is concerning. I agree. All right. So I think what shall we do? I think we'll play a song. I've got one lined up here that was from when Chris Bartlett. Uh, was here uh, Brenda Lee here comes that feeling and that sounds like a nice song to play then we'll go into a sponsor break and uh, I can see that some calls are now sort of coming through let's do that shall we we shall okay so I hope you enjoyed that song okay let's go to Forest Field Frank good morning ah good morning well it's nearly afternoon isn't it <laughs> it will there. be yeah, well, the way you're flipping through the program, it'll be nearly afternoon soon. Now, it was the Chinese that invented the wheelbarrow. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, there are 47 strings on a harp. That's a little bit of trivia I can throw in for you to uh, put in your file. Wow. And uh, now, don't forget, the Egyptians were rolling uh, stones on logs many, many years ago. Actually, a damn long time ago. And uh, when you look at the stuff that came out of Kutentaman's tomb, yep. you'll find that there was a wheel there also. So uh, putting two, to, two and two together, I would say that was the Egyptians that uh, invented, invented the wheel. First. Yes. Okay. Yeah, well, they were pre- they were pretty clever. They could use they could move those heavy tons uh, stones. Well, look what they pyramid, did. Pyramid yeah. form, yeah, yeah. And they were clever with numbers too. Yeah. Hey, how did they make the pyramids, Frank? Yes, that way. Uh, they started off. They started off with their mathematics to uh, make a perfect square, and uh, they were good. At, uh, they were good with astrology also. Uh, that was all done. There's so much sand over there. You could uh, you could sell them a bucket full of sand without any trouble at all. And well, uh, they they move sand and they they pull these stones up the sand incline. Yes. Okay. And that was yeah something I heard from someone else that they actually. It was sand, so the pyramids were like covered in sand when they built well, the, the top bit, yes. did they? And then they yes, all the yes. scaffold. They would have. Uh, they would have used. Uh, they would have used scaffold and ropes, but uh, they also. That's why there's no trees out there, mm. uh, because they cut them all down to make rollers. Oh, okay. It's fascinating, well, I, isn't it, Frank? We could talk all day. Oh yeah. Well, history's great. Yeah. History's great, especially the trivia. Questions on yeah. the boats that you go on, you know, when you go for a trip or a tour. Mm. Yeah, happy yeah. Birthday, Frank. Sorry, is it your birthday? Say happy birthday, Frank. Happy birthday, Frank. Thank you very much. <laughs> How old are you today, Frank? I'm seventy-seven today. Seventy-seven oh, years happy young. Happy birthday to you. You only sound like you're fifty-seven, Frank. <laughs> well, I tell you what, I'm still only a boy. You keep yourself young, don't you? I can tell. I do. Yeah, I yeah. make things. Exactly. That's it. You keep yourself. Yeah. Sometimes people age before they need to. And it's about keeping yourself young and keeping yourself well, active and mentally I've active. People. I've seen people at this age who really look old. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Now, did I hear that was your birthday too today? It was Faye's birthday on Tuesday. Just gone. On Tuesday. Yeah. October, baby. Yes. Libra. Libra Libra people. Yes. Mm. Scales of justice. Yeah. And I tell you what, it's so true. Mm, I think so, yes. Yep. Oh, well, lovely to chat to you, Frank. Thank you very Thank much you. for your call. Have a great very day. Interesting. Okay, bye-bye. Cheers, bye. Cheers, Squire. Okay, let's try again. 100.1 You're with Ray and Faye. You're tuned to Let's Talk Gardening. About 20 minutes of the program left. Get your calls in now between now and 10 a.m. Nine four eight four one nine two seven. We're heading to Belga. Margaret, how are you? 
Good, good, thank you. Go ahead, go ahead. Um, a couple of weeks ago, a gentleman rang in with a, a formula for a fruit fly uh, using um, apple cider vinegar and um, dish drops. How often do you change the solution? Ooh, well, if it evaporates, then you need to change it and probably weekly or fortnightly. But I, I would monitor it, Margaret. Yep. And and one, when you're disposing of the solution, can it just go on the ground or does it have to be put somewhere? Or it, it, can it just, you know, what what do we do with the... Um, the um, what, the solution, the residue. Well, Gee, I'd, I'd find some uh, weeds in my paving and see if it was able to. It's a vinegar, isn't it? Yes, mm. yes. Yeah, yeah. So just pour it on the ground or on weeds or whatever. Yeah, I, I probably any, any would put it just, you know, empty it and top up. Whether you're taking them into the house and redoing them, or whether you're doing them out in the garden, like at the tree, but not on the roots of the tree. Yep, radio. Okay, yep, that's okay. It's it's quite an insignificant amount. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. I like Ray's idea of putting them on weeds. Find a weed. Yep, yep, yep. yep. That's what I I thought, something like that, but I wasn't sure and I just thought, oh, well, I'll find out. And I I wasn't sure how often it needed to be changed. Well, if it evaporates, you need to change it um, and refresh it. So weekly or fortnightly. Yep, yep. Okay, then. Thank you so much. Okay, you're welcome, Margaret. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye. Okay. And, of course, with the hot weather, Ray, it is a good idea to get out there and, um, like, monitor your garden, of course. Mm. Check that your sprinklers are working. Mm. Top up your bird baths. Yeah. You were just saying you did all Mm. seven of yours this morning. Well, that's in one area. I... I'd like more bird baths too because the number of birds coming in. Yeah. We've got um, wrens out there. There's white-browed scrub wrens. The puddle oats, many more of them in my garden than what I've seen in the past. Um, little honey eaters. There's willy wagtails and butcher birds. Waddle birds. Yeah, it's just you have a plethora. Lo- loads yeah. and loads. Yeah, mm. how gorgeous. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, birds will be looking for water, always looking for water, and particularly on days like today. I actually watch. I've got a fountain, and I like watching them bath them on the top of that. They I have was, themselves a good old time. I was sitting at my computer looking out the study window mm. one mm. day, noticing all the cobwebs around the corners. Yeah. But, you know, that's an ecosystem in itself. But I had a red cat parrot bathing in the bird bath out there and mm, oh, just a watch. joy to watch and then I saw something tinkle in the corner of the window and there was a an insect flew in and before you knew it the black house spider came down and snaffled it up all in front of you while you're yeah sitting. <laughs> yeah and the birds will come in and they'll have a pick at the um the cobwebs, because like the little willy wagtails will use the cobwebs to build their nest. Yeah. So it it, it is a whole ecosystem. Going on out mm. there. All right. Now, Karen has a question for us. Good morning, Karen. How are you? <laughs> Good morning. I'm here again. Um, I was just wondering, uh, the umbrella tree f- uh, flowers, is it true that they might kill the bees? Oh, uh, I think... 
Um, have you heard of it? Because they're crawling around on the ground underneath. I mean, I'm, I'm cutting all the flowers back nowadays. But no, uh, no um, I don't think. I don't think the umbrella tree is known for doing that. The oh Ray, what's the, the one? The there. tulip tree. Mm. Now there are African native bees mm. that can be poisoned by the tulip tree. However, uh-huh, uh-huh. if we look one step further, the the bee that they were talking about is Meloponini. Now that bee is not here in southwest western australia so you know sometimes we have to look a little bit further than what we hear um for example they'll make quotes about honeybees being in decline not in southwest western australia there's no decline here i can tell you um in fact the the honeybees are setting up homes they're swarming and they're finding homes in hollows and sometimes taking out the homes that would be otherwise for marsupials or other birds. So, uh, no, because I saw them crawling around on the ground, and not only at my place, at my friend's place, who, who has got, also got uh, an umbrella tree. The bees do the same thing, and they seem to be all, uh, you know, I don't know, half half dosed. Well, they and they can they can get drunk from the nectar. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. So it could be that. Okay, then, uh, yeah, but, mm-hmm. okay, uh, but I'm still a, a, a bit wary about it. <laughs> okay, that's all. And, uh, just one other question, please. My alyssum, they're all, they're all getting very uh, straggly. Am I supposed to cut them back? Or you can, actually. All summer? You can cut uh, them back. And what I have done is, uh, with sharp scissors, like get them like you, you're cutting hair or gather a clump, give them uh-huh. a trim, and then I have also put them in the ground and found that new ones will come up. So if they get enough moisture, they might do that for you. Okay, great. Okay, good. Thank you very much, and have a lovely day tomorrow. I'm sorry that I can't come. Thank you, Karen. <laughs> Thanks, Karen. Okay, thank you. Okay, bye. Bye, bye for now. Bye. Okay, and do you have an email there, Yes, we do. This has come in from Jackie and Ian, and it's regards to the information we delivered last week, which is about the orchid tree. Yes, Hong very Kong beautiful. orchid tree mm. or Bohemia, mm. and the the blooms look like a butterfly or a moth, and comes in whites and pinks. And they said we just wanted to thank you for the information that you shared with us last week, uh, naming the tree. And when they looked out again this morning, it seems the flowers are not in full bloom anymore and have started closing and shriveling up. I did look up all the info you gave us last week and it was very interesting. Thanks once again for helping us with the name and details. And, you know, during the week we had the rain on Monday. It was Mm. very cold. One of the mornings was five degrees. Yeah, crazy. so everything is like refresh and then all of a sudden, you know, we get 35 Five, and yeah. things don't look so fresh anymore. The no, roses, no, you know, I don't no. know what my rosebuds will look like by tomorrow. That's right. Um, but I'll be out there giving them a spritz, spritz. just yep. to, you know, Agreed. ward off the chilly thrip and mm. just help drop the temperature and give them a bit of a chance. Some of the annuals will be past their peak after two days of um, Same, yeah. What sun. a pity, isn't but, it? Yeah. Hey, this 
it's our warning, isn't it? Yeah. You know, summer's coming. Yeah. If they don't survive 35 degrees now, they ain't going to make it after Christmas. No, absolutely not. Okay, we will return. Captain Radio. And we have appreciated your company this morning. We do apologise. We know there's been some phone line issues. And John has come in, and this is news to me. So some plants, such as the umbrella tree, uh, Schaeffler actinophylla, when flowering, cause bees to fall to the ground dazed, where they will sting people walking barefoot in the area. The problem can be overcome by cutting the flowers or using a temporary fence to fence off the area while bees are present. So there you go, Karen. You were right onto it, and so was Ray. That was news to me. Mm. So, so wasn't the bees aware of that. dying around the base of the tree. Well, not dying, but just dazed. Dazed, yeah. Mm. Yeah, was caused by that. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Very interesting. All right, we're in Dunkraig. Brian, thanks for waiting. Morning, Brian. Oh, How yeah. can we help? Yeah. Good morning. Um, yeah. Uh, my lawn's got dandelions and. Uh, like stringy uh, weeds and stuff growing all over it. Got something you can recommend to to knock it off, please? Well, Brian, at this time of year, the dandelion, uh, I'm guessing, might be cape weed, might it? Would it be cape Um, weed or is it just yellow, single yellow flowers? Yeah, single yellow flowers, but there's a lot of, like, grassy stuff in amongst it as well. Okay. Well, at this time of year, a lot of the annual weeds are coming to their end. So what I would personally do would be to leave it and just mow it short, even give it a top dress now to fill any divots, not to smother the lawn, but just to fill any gaps and get ready to fertilise it. With the, the hot weather that we're getting, it will finish the weeds. Like at the moment, they're just going for gold. They had rain early in the week then sunshine and they're going to produce their seeds and then that's it they'll die down and be gone so i wouldn't do any more to it than that oh okay that's a pretty simple way it is yeah just just be patient for the next week or two and then start fertilizing ready for the growing season okie dokie lovely thanks very much you're welcome brian have a great day yes Okay. All right. Now, let me see. Look, we do have time to take in another call if uh, you would like to get your question through to Faye right now. Okay. And this is from Beverly. She says, hi, all. Can you cut off celery stalks while the plant is still growing? I have two that are going well that I have grown from the base cut off from a celery. Mm. Well, you know what I would even do is cut them off at ground level and Allow them to reshoot. Come again. Mm. Mm. You can do that. You can do that with chives and spring onions, pak choy, mm. uh, some of the Asian greens, mm. and they just go again. And you get healthy new growth. So mm. I would particularly do that if I had an infestation of, say, aphids or uh, white fly, and you get new growth coming. Yeah. Pest yeah. free. Yeah. Okay. Look, I think our work is done. We are going. We might knock off early, Jim Kreiner. What do you say about that? Great. <laughs> and that'll pay you back for all the times we've been late. So, yeah, we're just balancing the scales. John's just coming in with one more piece of information for us. Thank you very, very much. 
Okay, uh, this is from Cheryl, and she's wanting to say a huge thank you to us and Bigger Trees for the voucher. She won a couple of weeks ago. Such a beautiful nursery and a lovely drive up the hill. Exactly. I did have lots of fun picking out a great variety of plants. So much to choose from. Thank you again, Cheryl. Well, that's a lovely way to finish our morning. Thank you for sending us a note. We do love to hear what people get up to, and we're really glad that you enjoy the vouchers. And yeah it's compliments obviously of bigger trees they provide a gift voucher to us each week as do green life soil co so we do hope that you benefit out of that and of course we're introducing you to uh some lovely places to go and uh, certainly when you head up in the hills direction there's all those beautiful cafes and restaurants and wineries there's so many other nurseries there's so much you can do in a day absolutely now there is a call coming through, so we'll wait for that one. We won't sign off just yet. I take that all back, Jim. <laughs> yeah, you're next with the classic 70s. Yep. That's what you've got lined up. Okay. I can see your first song, Love Really Hurts Without You. Yes. Very nice. Very nice. I love it. Okay. No, there's nothing coming through. There was. It's gone. I think our phone lines are a problem. So I don't know. Okay. We're going to call it quits today. We've done the best we can. Very, very unusual morning and um, very trying for Bev. And thank you, Bev Daring, for trying to man the phones this morning and also for John Glidden popping in and out. He provided us a lot of assistance today on what has been a very, very odd morning. Uh, yeah, look, enjoy your weekends. Thank you, Fayakaro. We look forward to meeting uh, some of our Curtin FM listeners for high tea tomorrow at 2 p.m. That's going to be a very pleasant afternoon. I know Faye's worked extremely hard uh, to make sure that this uh, is a really enjoyable afternoon. Jim Crinan, as you already know, is next with the classic 70s. Uh, look after yourselves. Keep cool and uh, stay safe, and we shall be chatting at you next week. Take care and happy gardening. We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. Happy gardening.